0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the Industrial Revolution to Business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business owner, how do you tackle the balance in being profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Business of Aquaculture. This episode, we have Mr. Jim Gibbons of Seattle Shellfish. Seattle Shellfish was formed in 1997 to engage in the business of growing, harvesting, and distributing specialty seafood. The company's principal product is the guida clam grown in the tidelands of South Puget Sound in Washington State, one of the largest growing areas in the United States. They are members of the Pacific Shellfish Growers Association and work closely with other growers in the area to ensure that only high-quality shellfish are harvested from the waters of South Puget Puget Sound. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to our third episode, I interviewed Mr. Bill Collins, who is one of the experts in the seaweed aquaculture industry in Canada. You will gain insights on how they are pivoting branding from sustainability to being climate positive. But for today's show, welcome, Jim. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Just for the background of our audience here, Mr. Jim Gibbons has been instrumental in the development of the Guidac aquaculture club industry in the United States. Maybe for my first question, you can give us a background on how did you get started in the business of aquaculture and then maybe a bit about your journey in the industry.
1: I've been involved in the industry since 1996 and put our first crop out in 1997. The Guidac industry hadn't really started then. Taylor Shellfish, which is the largest shellfish company in the United States, Pharmac organization, had just finished a pilot project. It was about not much bigger than the desk here that I'm sitting at. And they got some results that look compelling. And I decided I wanted to get into the industry until I found out if the results were wrong. And the results proved to be... Fairly really accurate. I mean, they they got larger animals because they had thinner densities. So I've been, I've, we've been planting for 25 years now, and now we have 45 employees, 45 to 50, and I've been harvesting and planting every year since.
0: Was it something that you planned, or you just bump into it? Because I know you were also doing some other stuff, like you were really big I with was, gold.
1: <laughs> I was 45 when I got interested in it. it was not planned. I had financed a uh, tender boat, which is a boat that goes up and brings product in from fishermen, and that got me interested in gooey duck. And I literally went to visit the Taylor Shellfish Hatchery and to see if there was more to it, because one of the guys I financed this boat for said, "Oh, there's somebody growing gooey duck clams in Debo Bay." And that was Taylor's. And I just got lucky to find them, and eventually was in. I was either Campbell River. Or or Courtney, where I I went to an aquaculture conference in the fall of 96 and learned a little bit more, met an employee of Taylor's, Dave Robertson. And I just learned more about aquaculture and kept moving one step forward. You know, I did not know anything about aquaculture. I'm not from the industry. I've done a lot of different things in my life. I do have a business background a bit. I even have a corporate business background, but that even goes back farther. I like to do new things, and this is certainly new.
0: I like that you have a business background because I've been in the industry for 13 years now, and I know most of the people, especially here in Canada where we are, are mostly from the fisherman background. And so did you find it a little bit challenging to be in the industry, or maybe it's a plus and an advantage because you have a corporate or a business background?
1: I would think it's a plus, and I think it would be a plus for anybody to get business skills. I've got three children that are they all in their 20s now, you know, low 20s. I always encourage them to take some accounting courses, I think are pivotal courses to take. And I'm sure my business skills that I learned, both as an entrepreneur and in corporations have helped me immensely start the business and survive this last year of COVID. That's been challenging.
0: Yeah, for sure. And would you be able to share with our listeners some of the pros and cons in being in this aquaculture industry compared, I guess, to other markets?
1: Sure. I mean, I'm fairly open about things. There, there is, as Warren Buffett would call it, a moat around the industry. It's a very hard industry to get into for, I got like 20 reasons, the government regulation. There's not a lot of beaches. It's a hard industry to get into. So that's kept prices up fairly high. There's great demand from China, which is the primary market, even now, 20 years later. And that's kept prices up there, which has really benefited us. I've made, we, I mean, it's not like I'm perfect. I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. They've been covered by the fact uh, a bit that prices are really high and the margins are really good and still are, even with prices are down since 2012 when they were, I mean, they're down by 40%, but they're still very strong.
0: I like that you mentioned that in even the background that you mentioned from 2012 with the prices going in and out, because to me, in my head, actually, I equate this market like stocks. It has its ups and downs and very volatile, very market driven. And one of the things that I admire about your company is being able to actually attract people who work for you and establish that relationship? Because I know some of the people that you work in joint ventures. So maybe share with them how you are able to attract these quality people.
1: You know, I should say we, we have 112 investors. So it took I had to raise quite a bit of money. And we now have, as I said, 45 employees. And I'm quite proud of the fact that we have, I think, four or five father and son teams where the father came to work for us up to 20 years ago. And now their sons are working for us as well. And we also have some great relationships. Taylor Shellfish. We've done a number of joint ventures with them. We're still involved with one on a piece of property. I'm meeting with Bill Taylor tomorrow. They're our primary competitor, but they're also great people to do business with. I had a long-term relationship with someone that worked for Eric, your husband, for a while, Keith Ware. And I consider him one of my closest friends right now. He came down here. For over a dozen years, so he's he's closer to retirement than I am, and we still communicate regularly. He he wished me happy birthday yesterday. You know, it's
0: happy birthday. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> so um, I'm very much in a believer, and always have been, in maintaining quality relationships, and that entails our employees, our customers, our customers' customers, our su- suppliers, and our community. So we're very much believe that and again I'd emphasize it the margins are good enough that that allows us to do that where some companies might feel obliged you know, with thinner margins and not as much profit that they're going to cut things that they shouldn't necessarily cut
0: right maybe you can give our listeners also a bit or two of your tip on how you were able to attract these investors you mentioned you have 112 investors and that was,
1: again, that was an, an, another relationship one of my best friends from college was a woman who's still a very great friend. And her husband was involved in a project in the Philippines at the time. And he was making a trip out. This is 1997. And he's somebody I knew was her brother. And he agreed to stop by here to see what we were doing. And he got excited enough that he helped me develop and grow a business and raise the money. So he raised about probably 70, 65% of the money from people he knew. And I raised the other 35%. And 30 to 35%. And I, I, if I had known you, Lourdes, I would have been asking you if you'd wanted to invest in a at company. I asked everybody, and I actually did get two or three people from Canada to invest in the company.
0: It's quite amazing because it's such a new industry at that time. And it's still quite is, even up to this time. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I wouldn't say they, they made a killing, but we just got done sending out a distribution. We've been, we send out a distribution every year. And so, not like they got rich, but they did well. My friend, Joan, whose brother helped me raise the money. Well, I guess if we count her and her husband, I probably raised a little bit more of the money. I don't count them, but she's our largest investor. Her husband's since passed away. And then I have another friend from that area who's on the board. And he's the second largest investor. And then we're the third. My wife and I are the third largest investor.
0: That is very cool. I like that the relationships just serve the purpose of what the business is about as well.
1: I think it's all about relationships.
0: Well, my last question to you is, what do you think the industry is in store for the next 10 years, maybe even three years? What are the top three trends that you're seeing?
1: I wish I had a printed copy of my letter out here. It was, I quoted Noam Chomsky of all people. was considered on the left of the political perspective, but I wanted to find some quote about the future being bright. And he had a great quote unfortunately, I don't have it, but I think the future is very bright for the shellfish industry. And I, I went on to say, uh, we have a piece of property that was not our best piece of property. And I was thinking of selling it last November. I can actually reach over here and grab the letter from my box. I wrote this letter up where I was going to try and sell this piece of property in November. And I said, as I got, I finished the whole letter and said, I don't think I should sell it. I think the future is too good. Even though it's a poor piece of property, It's it's better than no property. So we still own that piece of property, and I think the future for guidec aquaculture and shellfish aquaculture is quite good. It's going to be tougher, at least in this country, for the oyster market right now because all the oysters, primarily a lot of the oysters were for the half-shell trade, and the restaurants still haven't fully opened. I'm not sure how long that's going to take. It's a different story with the guidec market in China. Prices are soft, but there's still very strong demand, so things are pretty good right now on that front.
0: That's good to hear, especially coming from you. My biggest takeaway from this episode is when you mentioned about the relationships that you build that really helped your business. And thank you again for being here. You're quite
1: welcome. And that should be your biggest takeaway. Relationships are everything in my mind. (laughs) Yes. You have a great day.
0: Thank you. And for the next episode, we'll have the host of the Academia Podcast, who are members of the Global Aquaculture Alliance, and we'll discuss more about seafood business and sustainability. Thanks again, Jim. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.